another week and welcome back to our podcast. On today's podcast we're going to be discussing fundraising. Absolutely and uh, there's normally a cloud around fundraising, how it's done, how to be accountable, how to monitor it etc and uh, Marianne Clements has done quite a bit of fundraising and she will take us through the process. My name is Yada Bade, podcasting from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And my name is Marianne Clements, and I'm podcasting from London in the UK. So you've quite um, you've done quite a bit of uh, fundraising, yeah. and tell us a bit about the you know fundraising. How do you start? Where do you start? How do you know how much you need to fundraise and so on? Yeah. So it's funny because I was thinking before we started the show, like, what's the first like first real experience of fundraising that I had, and like the first like serious experience that I had of fundraising was actually there in Dar es Salaam when I first kind of started working out there and we were trying to raise money for um, a new project that out there which was the project I talked about on the a few weeks ago on the podcast and um, working with um, people who had um, mental illness it, yeah that was the first time that I tried to raise like a big chunk of money rather than you know because there's always like the harambe type of thing of what would you call that in Tanzania that's a Kenyan word isn't it harambe but where you just ask all your friends <laughs> um but here it's it's more mchango, mchango but, um, yeah mchango akitu or you know chango for something and yeah. so on it's basically they just call him chango yeah yeah the, 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 that's the kenyan word isn't it harambe i always love that word i don't know why but um, harambe is like just raise a load of money for something from everyone you know isn't it but um anyway so the first time that i tried to raise money that wasn't wasn't like that but it was actually like a, a sort of an attempt to go um and ask people further you know who i didn't know um was that and it and um but I, I was working with someone who was based here in the UK and he had like decades of experience in raising money for projects. And I basically learned uh, so much. I learned so much from him about actually how, how quite complicated it can be, first of all, but also about like how much you need to know in advance if you really want to convince someone to part with serious cash. And since then, I've done loads of fundraising and I've also been on the other side, like um, looking at applications from people and, you know, for, for money and like giving some opinion on, on, on it for, for, from the point of view of people that want to give out money. And the most like sort of the thing that I think people most often struggle with if they're, if they're trying to raise money for a project, say some you're, you're looking for funding or investment in some kind of like charitable work or something is that they kind of under describe what it is they actually want to do so like <laughs> you quite often you you can be reading an application and you're still like searching for like 
Okay, so you want to say you want to improve the lives of children in a certain village or, you know, let's take that as an example, right? But like what, what quite often people miss is like that if somebody wants to give, is going to give you like a large chunk of money, then they really want to know exactly what you're going to do with it. And that's quite often where the gaps start to appear. Like when you realize that someone, they, they say they, they might say they want a certain amount of money, but they actually don't know how they're going to spend it, you know? Okay, or, so that means, for instance, then uh, coming from your experience, yeah. um, in order for me to, let's say, I want, I want to fundraise a certain amount of money. Mm. So somehow I need to have sort of a, is it a business plan, a yeah. fundraising plan, exactly. or... I think it's yeah. actually more like it's more like a business plan, really, in the sense that I mean, it, you might people might call it something like a project plan or something, but it's basically like a business plan. As in, if I give you say say you want ten million shillings or twenty million shillings or whatever it, that is in pounds, you know, five thousand, ten thousand, or you know, a lot more money, what you really need to be able to describe exactly how you're going to use that money before you go anywhere or asking someone for it, you know. And it's not just good enough to say, like, you know, I um, I want to help people, you know, children with mental health problems in a certain village or whatever that is, you know. Um, it re You really need to know the detail of how you're going to help them, why you think that's the best way, how you're going to spend the cash, so what the budget is, which is, it is kind of like a business plan, isn't it? That's what you'd call it in business, right? Yes, it is. You need all that laid out and, and you need that even for quite, you know, relatively small amounts of money, I would say. I mean, maybe not, I don't know what you would say. I mean, certainly in the UK for £10,000, you need that, which is, well, that's 20 million, I guess. But, you know, that's not a huge, huge amount of money. Okay, so then it comes down to now, you know, once, okay, you've done that, you've asked for that, uh, for the fund, fundraising, yeah, you've, you've gone out, you've got the cash. I think my, my uh, biggest concern, or lack of better words, I would say concern is, how are these people accountable? How do you follow it up and make sure that, the, you know, the money that is actually used appropriately and according to what yeah. the business plan is saying and then um making sure that you know auditing that money of yeah. some sort i see yeah so yeah so what's the process what's the process behind that yeah you mean from the point of view of someone giving out the money how do they check that their money's being used the way it was meant to i think it depends like quite a lot on whose money it is and actually one thing i meant to say before was like if you want to get money from, say, like a government or a foundation or a big international NGO, then your plan needs to be more detailed. If you want to get money from um, maybe a wealthy individual, they might not want quite as much detail, right? So say, say you know... I mean, that's kind of like an extended harambe, isn't it? In the UK, we, in fundraising, we might call that, or in the UK, we might call that like... Um, private donors or you know people with cash might 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 decide to give you it without so much detail and I think it depends where you get the money from how that accountability works right because actually if it's a private donor or even a corporate they might actually want to come and see what you've done right so say um, a company decides 
to invest some of their profits in in some charitable work they generally want their staff to be able to come and see you know as part of an incentive to staff really as well um to come and see you know what the money has done so that's like um they're in a way they're then looking for quite concrete evidence aren't they they want to see activities i mean the problem there can be like if the activity you want to do say it's say say you're training women yeah say you're training women in business skills or something that that might be quite hard to show the impact of in a sort of easy way so sometimes often co corporates want to fund like maybe a building project because then they can see they can see it you know tan the tangible thing they know the money hasn't disappeared somewhere because they see like the classroom in front of them right yeah but that's like, I guess that's basic accountability, but it gets more complicated if you're funding something that you can't see, like say a training course or multiple training courses or like awareness raising. But I think that, that you know, the, generally um, the way that you would follow up, the most basic way that you would follow up and the ideal way to follow up is to be able to evidence what you've done with some kind of either tangible thing that someone can see or mm -hmm. the stories or the sort of testimony set of people whose lives have been improved so say you'd be you want to be able to go to the place so say it's like you're training some girls in school or maybe we should take the example from our show last week of um sanitary sanitary, sanitary pads yeah like say you'd Say you're a company or an individual or even an, uh, a, a big organization that had put, say, I don't know, 50 million um, shillings into sanitary products in a certain district in Tanzania. Like, what would you want to see to know that your money had been well spent? Well, I think you'd want to be able to go to that district. Maybe you wouldn't go to every school, but you'd want to be able to go to like a handful of them and you'd want to be able to find girls there that could tell you that they benefited from those sanitary products, right? And ideally, you'd want them to be able to tell you how that had improved their life in some way, right? So maybe mm -hmm. that had meant they, they, they could stay in school even though they were bleeding, yeah? Yeah. And in an ideal world, as the person with the money you'd kind of want to be able to go there and, and check that all out yourself. Now, obviously, sometimes that's not possible. And in, in that case, you might actually be relying either on someone else to check it out for you, which I guess is a bit like auditing. It's a bit like auditing in business, you know, where the auditor goes and like checks certain transactions to make sure that generally the accounts look okay. It's a bit like that. So someone might go and check out that, yeah, in all the schools I went to, there were girls that had benefited. So I reckon, basically, they did what they said they were going to do with the money. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bigger the project gets and the more complex the outcomes you're seeking with your money, the harder that gets. So sanitary pads in like five schools, you can see how you could follow up, right? But if it starts being like training girls around their rights as well, or like um, uh, what else might be added onto that? I don't know, building the, the latrines as well that are, you know, where the sanitary pads can be easily accessed. Or so, you know, and you build all these other things into your project, it obviously yeah. gets harder and harder.
to like um evidence each and every detail of your project in a way that's sort of like easy for someone to go yeah they did what they said they were going to do so you're right it's it, it can be complicated so what would you say are the key principles when it comes to um fundraising fundraising or following up the fundraising or following up the fundraising yeah following up bit so so in um in the kind of ngo sector the following up we would probably call like monitoring yeah or monitoring and evaluating and then the 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 fundraising is the sort of other side of that coin so that's like getting the money and then the other side is checking that you did what you were meant to do with it so key principles for fundraising so looking for money i would say um so how so what i said in the beginning was like have a detailed plan of what you want to do so you really really know what you're going to do because the thing is if you really know what you're going to do and you could explain it to anyone you meet it's a bit it really is a bit like a business plan where you need to be able to explain that to anyone you meet on the street like this is my plan for my business absolutely yeah, yeah it's like absolutely. That. you need that level of confidence in what you want to do if you really want to convince someone to part with their cash and it's actually in a way harder than selling them something because um generally with um raising funds it's like it's like they don't get anything back apart from the feeling that they've made a difference right so so from their point of view, you're, you're trying to persuade them to part with the money that they didn't necessarily expect to spend almost, right? <laughs> so um, you're trying to persuade them to do it out of the goodness of their heart. So in, if, if anything, you, you need a better plan, a much better plan. And then, um, so that's the first thing, have a good plan. And the second is do your research. So in terms of asking people for money. So quite a lot of the time, people write um, letters to lots of different people who have, you know, funders who have money to give out. And they might send them all the same letter and just change the name at the top, right? And it's a bit like applying for a job, but like doing it like with the same letter to everywhere you're applying, you know, applying for like, 10 different jobs at 10 different companies but not changing your application okay yeah so it's like that so you so so do your research and then make sure you're make sure you're applying you know sending that sending the funder what they actually need to hear and something that's tailored to them yeah so okay so uh, that's a very i think it's a very interesting point so in terms of fundraising when you're writing a business plan as you're sending it to different organizations you sort of need to is it tailor-made to each and every business? Yeah, so I, wouldn't You're sending it to, I don't necessarily mm. think you need to change your plan, but I think you need to change like the covering letter, say. So that it's like clear that you know who they are. So whoever you're, you've decided to ask for the money from. So say, let's take the example of a wealthy individual, right? Mm -hmm. um, you want to be able to write to them and give them a reason why they in particular, why you think they in particular might want to invest in, in the work that you want to do, right? Because they're, so, so it could be, for example, that a wealthy individual has a particular interest in the issue you're working on, or they might have a particular interest in the area where you want to work, 
So maybe they're from that region or they've, you know that they've got an interest in it for some reason. You've read something somewhere, you know, that says that this person is interested in. So you can take a big example. So take Bill Gates, right? So the Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates have a foundation called the Gates Foundation. And there are certain things, you know, you can look up online, right? The things that they're interested in. Um, I don't know exactly what their priorities are right now, but there, there's been lots of stuff around malaria and different diseases that they've been interested in. And they've also been interested in some sort of new um, kind ways of working and new approaches and testing things out. And, and that there may well be lots of other things they're interested in right now. I haven't looked at their stuff recently at all. But um, so there, that's an example. So if you were going to apply to them, they actually probably have a process, but you also, if you were going to contact them, you want to be like explaining why your project is a good fit for their interests. Yeah. And that's why I say it's like a job. Like you wouldn't want to apply for a job um, at two different banks without like, say, say you're applying for a job at two different banks, you would want to tailor your application to that particular one. Right. Do you see what I mean? Am I making sense? <laughs> You are making sense, yes. You're making sense, absolutely. <laughs> so you want to tailor it. That was my, so what was my, oh, I, I had two things. Oh yeah, it was have a good plan and then- Have a good plan and then tailor made it. Okay. Um, so um, for instance, okay, you doing um, fundraising in your experience, hmm. what, what were the major um, challenges, I would say, or some of the challenges that you faced yeah, let me talk, let me come with um, some specific examples. So I've done all different kinds of fundraising. See, some of it from big organisations, some of it from individuals through like events and also through like using um, online. So like it was email then. I mean, there are different ways to run campaigns online now, social media and stuff. I think that the, the challenges, so a big challenge is that there's, there's lots of people out there looking for to raise money from people. And so I think in order to kind of stand out, you have to have like a compelling story really about the difference that you want to make. Um, and I think that sometimes it can be hard to kind of make your voice heard if you're not a well-known charity or name, you know, there are certain obviously you know we there are certain organizations we've all heard of and so it can be quite hard to kind of stick your neck out and uh, and kind of say you know this is this is an organization that you've never heard of but please give us money because we've got a really you know really worthwhile thing we're doing so I think that's a major that can be a major challenge Okay, so it's like you have to be sort of you have to build yourself first to a certain um, I don't know, to a certain level in order so. for donors to start even you know listening to you. I think so, and I think that's why I like my my sort of like number one recommendation if you're kind of starting a new charitable kind of organization would be to kind of harambe or mchango the first little bit from people that you know who have faith in you so like enough 
script for you to really demonstrate your idea and what you want to do. And it could be like a small version of your idea. It doesn't have to be. So maybe you've got an idea to do something in schools all across Tanzania or all across the UK or, you know, or in a big area. Um, but what you could do is find one to start with, you know, or find two. And I would beg, borrow, <laughs> ask for help from people in your own network who know who you are or their friends, family, anyone that you know who you think might be sympathetic to your idea. And I would look for like a bit more than you think you need, <laughs> you know, to start with. So that you have like, the, and it doesn't have to be cash as well. Like some of that could be like, you know, maybe someone will lend you a computer. Maybe someone will lend you transport. Maybe someone can give you airtime or whatever it is. Yeah. But I would do that in your network in the beginning. Cause I think first of all, that demonstrates to a funder that you don't know or an organization that might fund you in future that you can persuade people of your idea, the importance of your idea. So that already gives them a sign. Like this is something worth supporting other people think it's worth supporting but also it gives you a bit of flexibility in the beginning you know if you've got a little bit of cash that you can use to support your idea and test it out that's so much easier than trying to raise money from kind of people you don't know who you then have to because you already highlighted if you get money from people that you don't know who expects the kind of reporting that I was talking about before where they have yeah. to follow everything up, that can be quite onerous and take you quite a lot of time and energy, you know, just to yeah. demonstrate that to them. Whereas if you're, you've got the money from like your auntie's cousin, sister who happens to have a really good business or whatever, you know, then she might be happy just to come and see what you're doing one afternoon you know <laughs> absolutely and another thing is just um i mean for for instance the, the the beginners who would like to fundraise um they can also use social media i mean these days technology has kind of made this process a bit easier i would say yeah you know you have uh, social media i mean you have <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> online channels such as facebook you can actually open a fundraising page yeah. Or a fundraising group, um, you know, and and do your fundraising there. Again, as you're saying, it's easier to start with your own network, people yeah. who know you, who know people who trust you, uh, and so on. Because to to trust a stranger, <laughs> it's very difficult yeah, exactly. at times, you know. And 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 another thing, I just um, think is uh, when people hear of fundraising or someone wants to fundraise, a lot of people go with cash, you know, and sometimes you don't even need the cash at that particular time. Maybe perhaps they should start small, like if it's an, um, let's say an orphanage, what does an orphanage need? You could be asking for probably they just need mattresses or they need, uh, you yeah. know, a table, or they need, you know, just basic needs such as food and so on. So then I feel like it becomes easier for, you know, for your own closed network um, to donate, yes, or, you know, to give you um, such things rather than going straight ahead and just asking, you know, I need this uh, amount of money so I'll be able to do A, B, C, D. 
yeah, I don't know. Absolutely, yeah. that's so true. And I'm interested. So, you're, so you're you're a bit more social media savvy than me. <laughs> if you uh, like, in terms of, do you think Facebook? You just mentioned Facebook, so you probably you do. But do you think that would be the best social media to use um, to sort of generate like that kind of fundraising from your own network, people you know? I believe so because. Um, Again, as I said before, um, you're starting with people you know, starting with people who know you, you know, they trust you and, you know, they're more than willing to, to uh, sort of accommodate that. Yeah. So it makes it much easier. And if you go, you know, to actually Facebook, as I said, again, they, they do have fundraising. Um, you can open a fundraising yeah. page, you know, yes. a fundraising page. Um, you can open or a fundraising group. So then it becomes easier. And, you know, you, you talk to people and you state what you want. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, it's just for people to actually go and read and understand more um, easier ways to go out and, you know, fundraise for something yeah. rather than, you know, use the traditional ways of fundraising. Because, yeah, you have your emails, but, but then by the time those emails get to people <laughs> you know it, it, it's a, it's a lot of work it's a, a lot of time you have to be really patient and yeah so and on. i think i think it's another thing on that point of um uh doing your research because i think like it depends who who you think is going to be able to support you doesn't it the best way to approach them it's like you know are the people in your network that you think have got the most spare cash on Facebook, <laughs> you know, are they your friends on Facebook and are they actually the sort of people who are on Facebook? I know these days, you know, a, a great many people are on Facebook, but it, it could be that you might be, um, you, you might also be better having like some sort of like social event, you know, I, in the past I've done quite a lot of fundraising events, you know, that, where you kind of have some sort of social gathering like a meal or in a in a venue or something then they can end up being quite expensive but there are cheapish ways to do that when you're starting small you know if you've got like um if you've got some space either in your house or in the house of a family member or something and you know you can invite people for a meal and ask them to contribute that kind of thing where you're generating like personal relationships can be you know can be good as well because you get a bit more chance to tell people infuse people you know face to face I guess because that's the only challenge with Facebook is brilliant for sharing up the idea but then people are there and gone in a minute aren't they sometimes so yes absolutely absolutely yes. yeah so I guess it's just how you engage people then I do think that there's a lot of similarities between sort of fundraising and kind of business in a way because in a way the fundraising is like sales although you're selling an idea to, of, for making a difference rather than necessarily a product and then of course there's you know it's like in it's like in your in Kipili Pili you're you know you you've got a product but you also have in a way an idea now I know you're not fundraising in this in this sort of sense but you know there's a crossover between those things and fundraising really is selling an idea you know mm -hmm. and a change an idea for making that change and so you, you you kind of have to 
think of it like that in, to some extent, you know? You're trying to make someone understand why they should buy, although what they're actually buying, they don't get it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but, in, but they ultimately are parting with their own cash. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. That's, and and I think another thing is uh, you also need to go with the trends. Like I'm, I was just going through a report here, and it said um, about sixty four percent. Of course, um, they um, these reports they normally do just do a blanket of it, but they say sixty four percent of millennials prefer to fundraise through walk, run, or cycling events. Interesting. Right. So millennials is like people born in person reaching young adulthood around the year 2000. Yeah. Okay. So they were born in the 80s, I guess. Yeah. So uh, as well as I think people need to keep up with the trends. So if you have 64% of millennials preferring, you know, to walk, run or cycling in order for them to, you know, you know, help donate, then I think that's the route you know, you should take if you're planning to fundraise. And uh, that is something that I've seen a lot, especially this year and last year. And about for the past three years, I would say, um, uh, a lot of fundraising, fundraising events have been, you know, around walking, running and cycling, not as much, but walking and running. Interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not just millennials, but people would uh, prefer partaking, you know, these activities rather than just you know see an email and be like i need this certain amount of money they'll rather just pay and know that okay i'm paying this money it's going to you know to this cause so i'll be walking or be running but then it's a fun activity for them to do yeah and what i think is really interesting about those sort of challenges and i've done a few of them i've done a marathon triathlon and a few years ago it's when I was at Able Child Africa I did a few and then myself and what I think is really interesting about that is it sort of bucks the logic that I was talking about earlier because actually when people give to an individual who's doing a walk or a race they're sort of like supporting their friend as well as the organization and actually in a way they do it because they generally I think people do it because they want to support the fret, their friend. So in a way, it's like Mchango to their friend, except that it's for a charitable cause. So that, that feels good as well, you know? But that's like a double benefit in a way. But it also means that like, you can raise money like that, that in a way that's for a cause in general terms, like you, you might, it, 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 you don't have to have quite so much detail. <laughs> Because actually the, the sort of technicality of that fundraising is say like you were doing, say you're doing a walk the other for um, a cause that you really care about. It's, yeah. you, it's you that has to be persuaded about the cause. But then I might just, I would sponsor you definitely if you asked me because I kind of have that value of supporting my friends if they ask and maybe I might not do it the first time you post it on Facebook but if you post it a couple of times I'll probably get around to sponsoring you at some point <laughs> you know and that's partly because I think I, tr- I trust that you've t- chosen a cause that is interesting and useful but it's also you know to some extent it's like me supporting you like I would if you asked me for you know 
Changuarusi, you know, donation for your wedding or wedding. An, another kind of like personal donation. So it's sort of like those things are interesting because they kind of bridge that, that divide, don't they? I think that's why mm. they're so effective because there's a kind of um, personal touch as well as the, as well as the cause in there. And that makes us want to give. We want to support our friends. <laughs> yes. So if it's not supporting your friend, then you're really supporting a cause that you care about so much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And would you say um, with the fundraising, you need to sort of target who... Uh, is there a target audience, let's say, for fundraising? Like, I am going to target, let's say, people between the ages of 25 to 40 yeah, interesting that's my target that's my target audience for them to you know to fundraise this or oh, it's usually just an overall anyone just like casting a net and yeah. expecting to so, catch anything out there certainly professional fundraisers in big organizations are doing all of that stuff that you would be doing in any kind of um marketing so they're doing certain certain campaigns to try and raise money from as you said like certain age groups or certain kinds of people and then they do different kinds of campaigns so they might do a different one for millennials than people who what we call here baby boomers who are like our parents <laughs> who were born after the war when there was a big baby boom <laughs> in this country we call that there's a generation that there would be a totally different maybe fundraising approach to them yeah so yes yes is the answer in big organizations if you're you know a small startup charity it's a bit like a small startup business you can't yeah. be thinking about everyone but what i think is smart is to think like well like i was saying if it's your if you are looking at your own network to think like where's going to be the most productive use of your fundraising energy because generally if you're starting small, you don't have that much time to commit to fundraising either. So where's like your three most likely places to be able to raise money from, you know? And, it, yeah. and then think about, okay, so are those, what sort of age are those people? What kind of approach would they like? You know, would they like the, would they like the do an event or would they like the, um, you know, um, yeah. be invited to something and some people really like to come to you know you must have been to like events kind of gala type events and things yes right so, you yes. know that kind of thing can raise a lot of money if you get the right people at it but you have to know the right people <laughs> you know okay yeah I see what you mean okay. you have to know people who are going to give you more than you know a lot more than it costs them to be there Otherwise, it's just a lot of energy and not necessarily too much profit at the end, right? Yeah. And who would, would you say, between Tanzania and the UK, mm. who are more forthcoming in terms of fundraising? I, it's such an interesting question because what I, I think that... Um, I, I was talking about it at Sarambe, I should have been saying Mchango really, but that culture of giving to like your neighbour, your family, your friends is stronger in, in my experience in Tanzania and in, in, in Kenya as well and in, in, in my experience in that part of the world. It's much, there's a much stronger culture of giving in general, you know? Like in the UK... 
generally speaking, you only ask very close relatives for a contribution and you only do it if it's really desperate or like really important, you know? So like a child might be able to ask a parent and that kind of, and vice versa and that kind of thing, brothers and sisters maybe, but you, it doesn't extend unless you're really desperate for some reason. Um, we don't have that sort of culture. Um, and we have a bit, obviously we have like a bit more of a social security net. So our, I think our culture of giving is not as well developed, but I think, I think that because of that, I think that there's, there is a bit more spare cash in some parts of the population in this country for, you know, sort of random fundraising. <laughs> okay. So they might actually be more likely to give to like a big, a big named charity that everyone's heard of without naming any names. But, you know, there are probably some that we've all seen, you know, the offices of and stuff. Um, they might be more likely to give to those than, say, if someone starts a small project that no one's ever heard of. You see what I mean? There's something that's, that's a bit sad about that to me sometimes because I think it means that um, charities that people have heard of get bigger. Mm-hmm. And then, like sometimes people have good ideas and they really struggle to get them off the ground. Yeah. They don't have that sort of reputational thing. And I think like um, it's not necessarily true that you know the bigger you are and the more people that have heard of you the more effective the work you do is like it might be true but it's not always true and sometimes there's amazing ideas that people have you know and maybe we can get some of them on the show (laughs) absolutely and I guess just to conclude then out of this conversation I can say if you're a beginner when it comes to fundraising Mm. you should always start small yeah start with people who are are closer to you your own networky and then expand from there i think so yeah i think yeah i think that's the right thing to do and um build some reputation and build some evidence of doing what you say you're doing come up with a with a with a with a the basic way to test your idea and do it and so you can show this is what i did Okay, and that's going to take uh, you know a bit of some patience because you don't expect that to happen in a year. Yeah, so no, you know, I guess it, it takes it takes some time, you know, yeah, to yeah. get that that reputation that's needed for you to get bigger uh, uh, donors. I think that's right, and then I think I wouldn't want to totally put people off looking around for organisations that might want to support them. But I think my advice would be you know, do your, just, I said it before, do your research. So, you know, find um, a few organizations to try and target, talk to, have conversations with that are actually interested in the issue you're working on and put your energy in to having something to, to show them or talk to them about or get that, you know, find a way to spike their interest in, you know, but kind of, don't don't what i would definitely say not to do is write to every ngo you've ever heard of don't do that yeah you're wasting yeah. your stamps oh marianne <laughs> truly it is stamps who uses stamps anymore <laughs> <laughs> do you have a post box <laughs> no i do have a post box actually <laughs> and i still use it <laughs> 
but not to send, rather to receive. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I don't know how much longer stamps are gonna last. <laughs> I know. I'm going to come up with some electronic stamps or something. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. hey, at the end of the day, I think you still need that. Ser- we still need that service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still well. It's useful to bring us stuff. You're right to receive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this has really been an, an interesting uh, topic: fundraising. There are always a lot of questions and then you have your beginners who want to do fundraising but they don't know how to start, where to start. They give up um, midway, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But this has been really interesting. And if you have been actually listening from the beginning, there are so many good tips that you can try and work on them. There are, and yeah. but also yeah. I'd be um, totally happy to hear ha- hear questions from people as well. So like if anyone wants to um, send us a question, um, find us, you can, you can find us pretty easily <laughs> if you put our yes. name. Um, we have a, a, tweet a Twitter us. account. Yeah. Tweet, yeah. tweet us at Change Making Women, in fact, is the easiest. And ask us questions and I'm very happy to yes or you can you know you can drop a mariana message on on her page which is oh yeah it's marianne hina which is my old name so yeah um at the moment it's still that which is um m-h-i-n-a and yeah you find me yes exactly or you can also get us on on both our instagrams i my handle is zedkabwe and mine is Marianne Hina again there as well. So thank you very much um, for listening. And another thing, if you have any other topics that you would like us to talk about, um, you are more than welcome to just drop us a message on either on our SoundCloud or iTunes teacher. Yeah. And just tell us, you know, what you would like us to talk about and we'll definitely, you know, talk about it. Yeah, so. and any of our social media places that we Exactly. So thank you very much and thank you very much, Marianne. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk again next week. Yeah. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com.